Hello, everybody. This is Adam, and I am from the Back Patio Network, and I am here with my good buddy. Hey, it's Wes. Just Wes. Yes, just Wes. He's also from the Back Patio Network. Uh, We are here to talk about comic books. This is Comic Book Cabinet, and thank you so much for joining us for our October. It's really November now. It's probably going to be released in November, right? Our November pre-teaser, our sequel, pre-sequel, whatever you want to call it. It's a teaser for a podcast where we talk about things, specifically comic books. Very good job of introducing what we're going to be doing here on the comic book cabinet. We're looking at doing roughly 10 episodes per season. We are breaking down into seasons for the comic book cabinet. Uh, <laughs> we've already got one episode in the can. I got to tell you, it takes an absolute ton of work to produce just one episode of the comic book cabinet. So we're not going to be able to keep up with a weekly weekly release, at least not until uh, this is what I do full time. Yeah, right. And then, uh, but we want to make the episodes just as great as we possibly can. So we're breaking them down to 10 episodes. Uh, Season one, do you want to tell them what we're doing for season one, or do we want to leave that for later? Oh, no, let's tell them. Okay, cool. We're doing Caper Comics. Absolutely. So what we're going to be talking about are some of our favorite superheroes. Well, specifically, some of my favorite superheroes, I guess, because Wes, you don't really know a lot about these comic book characters, do you? I do not. I just now started reading comics more as a regular thing. I'm starting to fall in love with them. I can see why people really enjoyed them. But as a kid, never really got into them. It's hard to spend three to five bucks per issue for something it took me 10 minutes to read. Yeah, and see, I'm the exact opposite. I've been reading comics since I was probably six years old. I mean, I remember learning to read through comics, and I would, during high school, I would actually save my lunch money to buy comics instead of eating lunch. Like, that's that's where I was, so totally opposite of the spectrum here. There is indeed a lot of reading involved for all of these comics. Whatever character we choose, we're actually going back to read as many issues as we can possibly get our hands on, so we can give you first-person information from those. Uh, if you would like to talk about comics you can find us on twitter i'm at west the gm and i am adam i am at the real simso s-i-m-s-o you can also follow the comic book cabinet on twitter we are cb cabinet pod it's gonna be a lot of fun guys we are going back and reading through some of the world's best comics and i'm really excited but this takes a lot of effort uh you were used to actual plays we sit down and we play pathfinder and We come up with it on the spot, and this is totally different. Yeah, the actual plays write themselves. Uh, This one, we've got to do all the writing and all of the reading pre before we ever sit down at the microphones. Uh, So, Adam. Yes. When are we going to attempt releasing the very first season of Comic Book Cabinet? I am going to say quarter one of 2019. This is really like a big teaser. I know that's far away, but okay, so here's the thing. Netflix just released The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and I was told by a really good friend of the network that we needed to go ahead and review this comic. Uh, He is aware of some of the stuff that we are working on, and he told me about it, and I asked Wes, and we thought, you know what? Let's do it. Let's get this done. So, like I said, huge teaser. This is what's going to be coming quarter one, 2019. So get stoked. But let's talk about The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina for now. Oh my goodness, can we really? I love, I'm excited. I love the comic book series. So where do you want to start? Okay, so let's just talk about maybe uh, kind of the cultural aspects of Sabrina. Like, I remember Sabrina as a TV show. Uh, I had no idea that she was part of the Archie comics. 
Oh, uh, you talking about the TV show with Melissa Joan Hart? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Uh, so it was just Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah, it was a uh, late '90s, mid to late '90s, until early 2000s. Uh, I didn't realize this. It was actually on ABC when it first released. Yeah, and it was totally different than anything we we're about to discuss because that TV show is very like happy, fun. Like Sabrina is a witch, yes, but that's just kind of a side thing. She uses her powers for really right. funny, quirky things. Harvey's still a dope, but for the most part. It is completely different than what we've read in the new TV series. Absolutely. Uh, but it was hearkening back to the original Sabrina and uh, the Archie comics. It was happy-go-lucky. It was all family-friendly. Yes, it was witchcraft, but it was friendly witchcraft. Right. You had a talking cat. It was not a big deal. Right. Uh, and, and that's one of the interesting things is the talking cat in general, because he has had so many variations over the years. And I really like what they did with him in the comics, but I'm not a big fan of what they did with him in the new TV series. And we're going to get to that in a bit. Yeah. Uh, the first appearance of Sabrina Victoria Spellman was in Archie's Madhouse number 22. I think it's really neat. She was created by George Gladier and Dan DiCarlo, who apparently are both really well known for their work on the Archie comics. But having never read the Archie comics, it was the first time that I'd really heard of these guys. Well, yeah, that's all they've pretty much worked on, thanks to Wikipedia and other online sources. We were able to find out who these two gentlemen are. Right. And yeah, they pretty much just worked in the Archie realm. Uh, I think Dan DiCarlo helped do Josie and the Pussycats and a couple of other Archie comics, but still all in the Archie circle that they stayed in. Right, and so I went back, and, and to kind of give you guys a little bit of background about me, I grew up reading DC and Marvel. That's pretty much it. Uh, Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, Swamp Thing, Animal Man, like, those characters are what I grew up with. So reading something like Archie totally threw me off, because it's not at all what a comic I expected it to be like. It was... It was just different. Uh, you know, I can't imagine having read anything like Archie as a kid. It would not have grabbed my interest at all. I actually grew up reading Archie comics. I've got a stack sitting over here that I used to read when I was eight, nine years old, first learning to read com uh, read at all. Uh, my mother and her sisters all purchased Archie comics when they were growing up with uh, 15 cents apiece for some issues. Um, they left their entire stack of comics that they bought when they were teenagers at their mother's house. So when I went to go visit Grandma, Archie... Casper, uh, Donald Duck, Bugs Bunny. Those were all the comics I grew up reading uh, late at night before I went to sleep at my grandmother's house. Right, And that's so cool to me. Like I, I recently inherited probably 10 long boxes from my uncle. And they were filled full of Archie comics and Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse and just all of his kid comics. And they're in great condition. But as someone that only grew up with DC and Marvel reading through them, like flipping through them and rebagging and reboarding them, I'm like, why would anybody want these? And so it's interesting to me to hear that other perspective of, like, that's all I had, maybe, you know? And that's that's interesting. So I loved Archie comics growing up. Uh, they're a little cheesy. They're a little family-friendly. There's not any dark, long-running uh, cultural issue that they try to tackle in Archie. It's just, hey, we're going to go surfing. Hey, check out that hot chick over there. And that's pretty much the basis of all their jokes. Yeah, so Sabrina got started in Archie's Madhouse number 22. It was a collection of a few short stories, which from what I can tell, most of Archie comics were that way. They were all kind of like five or six short stories, two or three panels, or not panels, but pages. Yeah, I'm looking at the books that are sitting right here next to us. Uh, it's like one page. That's it. Yeah. It's like a quick joke. 
and, and then it, they move on to the next one. I kind of love those, and they're not really prevalent anymore. I don't. I can't think of any that are like that. In fact, web comics have web taken comics. that uh, slot. That's fair. Yeah, because you can release those for free. It's not a big overhead of producing an actual magazine. So yeah, web comics. No. Sure. But the cool thing about that is, is that the people loved Sabrina so much, she got her own series from it, and that is really important because some of the characters we're going to talk about in later episodes have the same exact effect on people. They started out in some short story and then they got their own series. Um, Spider-Man is a big one. Swamp Thing is a big one. They all started out in these really short story kind of short. What did you, you always call it short form storytelling? Sure. Yeah. And now they have these huge overarching themes of comics from the 60s all the way to today. Archie's Madhouse number 22. They show the very first panel is Sabrina the Teenage Witch laying laying on the floor. She's watching TV. I think it's uh, Archie that's actually on the TV itself. I think you're right. And yeah. uh, in the background is a, is a record player. Uh, luckily, with some of the vintage stuff coming around, everybody knows what a record player is. Uh, but coming out of the record player are three lyrics. Bewitched, bothered, and bewildered. It's like that seems odd that you would have chosen those three exact words to come out. So I had to look up what this was referencing. It actually has come from a 1940 musical uh, called Pal Joey. And Pal Joey? Pal Joey. Pal Joey is the name of the, the musical that okay. was written. So everybody has heard of Rodgers and Hammerstein. You've heard of those, right? Uh, no. <laughs> Rodgers and Hammerstein, two guys or a company? You did uh, musical theater in high school, right? No. No? Just theater in high school? I just did theater, not okay. musical theater. So Rodgers and Hammerstein. Everybody is going, what? You've never heard of those two guys? I can hear them saying it now. All of our podcast <laughs> listeners are like, I can't believe you haven't heard of Rodgers and Hammerstein. I get the feeling you're about to educate a buttload of people. Oh, yeah. So, uh, have you heard of the shows Sound of Music? Yeah. Have you heard of South Pacific? No. The King and I. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oklahoma with an exclamation yeah, yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, I know Oklahoma. All of those were written by Rodgers and Hammerstein. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. So, like, huge musical writers. They've written probably a lot of the musicals you've heard. Exactly. Of so, before those two piled up together, Rodgers was uh, teamed up with a guy named Hart. Okay. So, Rodgers and Hart wrote Pal Joey sure. from 1940. Okay. Uh, the musical was performed by uh, a lot of people, um, but Frank Sinatra is the most important one. Oh, wow. So Frank Sinatra sings it, Ella Fitzgerald sings it, uh, Cher even did a remake of it in the early 2000s. So is this a song? This is a song. From a musical. That is huge, That's apparently. That's so cool. It would have been on the radio in 1965. Wow. Easily. That's so neat. that's why it's playing on the record sure, player that makes for sense. Sabrina in the opening panel of Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. And I love that opening panel, too, because it immediately sets the tone for how sassy and salty she is. Because it says something like, Hi, I'm Sabrina, a witch. I hope you're not disappointed. Like, right? it's just yeah. like, oh, man, off the bat, you I, know, she's like... Mm. I know you were expecting some old crone with a word on her nose, but not us modern witches. Right. Oh, man, yeah, that's great. She's a, she's a fun character. She is the, fun. She's the, man, the rest... Some of the other ones we read that were all related to Archie's and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. A little dopey, a, a little, little sassy. It's it like she goes from being a witch that is can go and cast spells to just a teenage girl chasing boys, yeah. which is almost all Archie comics. Pretty much. And I actually, I have one really funny note. So there is one of the issues we read. She goes to a high school prom and she wants to get all of the boys like attracted to her. None of them are paying attention right. to her. So she drops a love potion in the juice and they immediately go over to like another girl. So she's all upset. She grabs another guy and, and she wants to try and seduce 
seduce him. She puts a charm on him, and at first he's really like, oh, well, I'm super bashful, and I don't want to kiss you anyways, and I'm just, you know, I'm really timid. And so she puts a, a like brave charm on him. So he gets this charm put on him. And he immediately goes after another girl. He's like, oh, well, I'm going to do what I've always wanted to do. Which is go to that girl. Right. And so there's a panel of Sabrina crying in a really pretty red dress. She's all done up. And it, and she just says, this just isn't my night. I've lost my hex appeal. And I, I, don't, like, I thought that was ridiculous. I'm like, come on. But that's, that <laughs> describes the Archie version of Sabrina the Teenage Witch so well. Yeah, it really does. Which is so different from what we read. Because what we read, which is is the chilling adventures of Sabrina is dark as shit. I mean, oh my God, is it dark? Yeah, let's talk about the new revamp. Yeah. Uh, do you remember what year Sabrina, the, the chilling adventures of Sabrina at the Teenage Witch was released? 2014. That's what I was remembering. 2014 is when this comic first started. Yes. The last one was released. It was issue number eight, and it, it was, was mid-2017. Mid In fact, yeah. there are so many articles out there talking about how the writers have promised that they haven't given it up, that there's something coming in early 2018, and I've not read anything since. I cannot mm-hmm. seem to find any reason why the comic stopped, because normally if a comic gets pulled, it's because they weren't selling well or the characters weren't done, doing well in general. But no, like I, from what I can tell, this sold pretty well. And they've never come out and said, we are stopping. It's just like they're on a huge hiatus right now. <laughs> and you know why? No, why? Riverdale. R- well, that's true. So they got started. Riverdale did seem to come out around the same time this comic kind of ended. So it, that does line up. That's so, a pretty good point. So the chief creative officer, and I'm going to screw this guy's name up. Uh, I just want to apologize in advance. Uh, Roberto Aguirre Sacaza. Yes. I'm going to call him either Roberto or Sacaza from now on. Sacaza. So Sacaza... Uh, is the creative chief creative officer of the Archie comics. He then gets this idea to revamp all of the Archie comics into, um, it was called Archie Horror. Sakaza completely revamped all of the Archie comics to be this horror version of comics. And that's where Riverdale's come from. And now he also did The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, gotcha. more horror version. So that's where Sabrina's come from, is from the mind and the writing of Sakaza. Well, I'm telling you, he did a great job with the horror portion because I don't think I've read a comic quite as dark as this in a long time. There's some dark stuff that happens in this. I mean, when you're reading a comic and it says, praise Satan, good things happen, it's it's a little jarring. It is, yeah. And I, I was actually going to say, one of my favorite things about the TV show, which we're going to get into here in a little bit, is the uh, satanic terminology like having grown up in the deep south christian household oh, oh yeah tell me about hearing it. funny some of the stuff they say is just hilarious uh sayings where they've just replaced god with satan and you hear it and you're like whoa what like yeah. it just cracks me up oh it was a little jarring that is definitely for sure yeah so let's go back to the comics okay comics. The very first thing we see happen is the mother sabrina's mother getting lobotomized i'm pretty sure from what i could tell she was lobotomized anyways by edward her, her husband her so the whole concept is that edward is is this like really high level warlock and he wants to marry a human and at first it seemed like he really loved her like he wanted to marry her it wasn't just oh i'm going to use her from what i could tell so the high council allows it for some reason or another it's not really explained until later on in the comics they get married they have a baby it's sabrina and then the first thing he does after the baby is born is make her seem totally crazy, puts her in a madhouse, and then we have this comic panel of him saying something to the doctor along the lines of, I really hope the procedure helps her calm down. The mother was able to nurse Sabrina for one year. Yes. When that one year was over, they were going to hand Sabrina over to Edward's sisters. Right. The aunt of Sabrina. 
who are awesome. Right? In they the- are evil. Oh my God. But the thing I love about the comics with the ants is they love Sabrina. Absolutely, yeah. They really, both of them really care about her and they really want her best interest as a wish and as an individual. Yep. They, the ants want to give Sabrina a choice right. in the comics. They, uh, they took Edward away from her because he was going to force her to become a witch. Yes. So they stuck Edward in an ancient old tree. Right. Uh, the two of them together are powerful enough witches to take down the high warlock, the high priest of their coven, and shove him in a tree and turn him into this awful thing. And it's really funny because I think they're celebrating one of her birthdays, and she's like, well, well I was really hoping Dad could be here. I, you know, I guess he's still out traveling. And then it just cuts back to a panel of him as a tree. Right. <laughs> and you're like, like yeah. whoa, okay. So the, the, the ants love Sabrina. They want whatever is best for her, and I, I dig it. I yeah. love that character of those two. I really also think one of the interesting things to me is that they made the ants these really horrible-looking hag creatures whenever they're using their powers. But whenever Sabrina uses her powers, she stays in her human form. And I'm not sure if that's one of the benefits of being a half-witch, or if it's because she's young or something. I'm really not sure why she doesn't transform into this like ugly creature when she performs magic. She's still young. These witches, the ants, they're thousands Edward, of years old. They're aren't they? hundreds of years old at the yeah. very least. Yeah. Because they showed them dealing with the Salem witch trials, the burning and the hanging of the witches there. So they're hundreds of years old at this point. So they've got glamours on themselves to, that, make, them to make them look young, young and 1962. So whenever they use their powers, those glamours fade. Sure. And you can see how evil and gross and disgusting they are. They're like missing their jaw and their teeth are like these jagged, ghoul like teeth. Uh, so this is a huge shout out to Robert Hack, who is the artist for Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Beautiful watercolor paintings, every panel. Oh yeah, the artwork in this series is bar none. Like there, it, it is just really unique. I really loved it. No, there's not a lot of strong lines in anything. It's all about the watercolor and the melding of all the uh, shapes together. And it's beautiful. So I want to go ahead and talk about one of my favorite characters in this entire series. Someone I never really expected to like, to be honest with you. I figured he would be more of a minor character, but in my opinion, he's major. And that's Salem the Cat. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, okay, I'm going to cut you off right there, because when I told my wife that there was a new show for Sabrina, she's like, as long as the cat talks. Oh, I, well, that's okay. all she cares. One of my biggest issues with the new show, why doesn't Salem talk? We get one time he says her name and that's it, and he's not even in Salem form. However, in the comics, he is one of the saltiest bastards on the planet, and I fucking love it. So in issue one, we get introduced to Salem. He's just given to Sabrina. Whereas in the com- or in the TV show, she actually summons a familiar. It's kind of like she's going out and looking for the perfect one. The TV one. show, we're going to start ignoring the TV show because they just changed so much from right. the comics. So we're uh, just going to talk yeah. about the comics. We're, we're focusing on the comics now. We'll go back to the TV show in a few minutes. Sure. Let's just back up. So Salem was a human that tried to enact the Book of Revelation right. and was forced to become a cat but then you learn out later learn later that's not at all what happened right in his origin story do you mm. want to talk about his origin story not just yet. a little bit we're gonna oh, get into okay. that we're gonna get into that oh. it's it's six issues away come okay. on okay 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 so yes book of revelations yes so issue one uh we also get introduced into rosalind who was really a tie back to the initial uh sabrina comics because she's kind of one of the other witches that Sabrina constantly has to fight against to, to win over the boy's love, mainly Harvey, who, once again, you'll probably hear me say this a thousand times, is a dope. <laughs> well, yeah, he's written to be a dope. He's written to be this just dopey... He's a fall guy. Yeah, he's just so... But Sabrina loves him anyway. 
And I don't understand why, because in every iteration of Sabrina, she is this really intelligent, like awesome individual that has a lot of really strong opinions and is like, really, it just seems like overall a really well-rounded person. And she continuously goes after this just kind of dopey dude that like, I isn't at her level, I feel like. I mean, look who you married, look who I married. And they're still with us. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> I hadn't really considered that that we were really dopey in life, but oh, yeah. we are. Yeah. Okay. And still fair. beautiful, beautiful, strong women still have fallen in love with us and been with us forever. Yeah. They're probably sitting around like, oh, what a bunch of dopes. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jilly's probably upstairs right now thinking that exact thing. Okay. Uh, so Rosalind is definitely in the, in the original comics. They are competing witches a little bit. They compete over boys. Yeah. But in The Chilling Adventures... She, uh, she's different. She's human. She's not a witch at all. Uh, she's just kind of like, basically, she's just like the lead girl, I guess. Like the most popular the head, the lady. Head cheerleader. Yeah, the head cheerleader. Um, which is interesting. I thought that they, it was kind of interesting that they changed that. Because I really liked that Sabrina had a competing witch in the old comics. Someone that kind of like, oh, well, maybe I can do this a little bit better than you can or something. It was a challenge. It was a challenge. It challenged your character. Um, So that was kind of fun. The the thing that's happening in issue one that I thought was really interesting was that she is trying to get the attention of Harvey immediately in issue one. Mm -hmm. She's basically trying to steal the attention from Rosalind, who tells her like, hey, he's my man, like back off. So she is going to put a charm on him to try and get his attention. And the cool thing is, is that Salem, her cat, is the only voice of reason in the entire issue. And he's kind of consistently the only voice of reason which i didn't expect well it's uh that's the job of the familiar is to protect the witch right. oftentimes from themselves sure and that kind of made me realize that maybe him being punished he actually did learn his lesson uh but she does she uses the charm anyways she gets the attention of harvey and it's almost like they immediately fall in love i mean that's sort of the way that this is going to go i thought but it's great because harvey dies pretty much off the bat so in issue one is also two very famous cheerleaders coming over from Riverdale. Yes. And they are the ones who summon a succubus in order to get some help in doing whatever the cheerleaders needed to do. I like that they made Betty and Veronica It was witches. Betty and Veronica. That was cool. That was <laughs> yeah. really cool. I like that. I was like, I didn't really catch that at first until one of the later issues. Right. But uh, apparently in Riverdale, there is a coven of witches led by uh, Mrs. Starts with a G. And then Betty and Veronica are uh, secondary witches right. in Riverdale. Um, they come over to Greendale to summon a succubus because they didn't want Archie and the rest of their coven to know that's what they're doing. Right. And they're trying to settle like a blood feud. Right. Uh, which is like, they're 14. What are they feuding over? Uh, well, you know. You they, know they never say in the school. comics, but yeah. it's high school, it's I high guess. School. Whatever, right? Uh, the probably succubus, lost a football game or something. The, exactly. <laughs> the, the succubus they summon is not the, just a succubus. Oh, man. It is the original love of Edward. Right. So Edward was dating some some girl beforehand. Uh, another witch. Uh, he dismisses her so that he can marry Diana, who mm-hmm. is Sabrina's mother. And then in uh, in spectacular dramatic fashion, the witch that Edward was dating throws herself into a lion den, kills herself, and now is being summoned back as a succubus. Which seems like I totally get she wanted to be dramatic, but death by lion sounds awful. Gets her face ripped off. And they draw all of this out face in the comic. So off. It's insane. Yeah. Hey, why would you break up with a girl at the zoo, Wes? Uh, That's my biggest question. Well, just in case she gets crazy, you can throw her into the lion den. Or she can throw herself, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> that just seems like a like you go to the ice cream shop, you don't take her to the zoo where there are dangerous animals. Eh, but he does. And her eyes 
are skulls. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> issue one. At the end of issue one, the one thing I want to bring up that I was really misunderstanding, she goes into this camp, and we're talking about the succubus. She goes into like a kid's camp to steal the face of a pretty young lady. Oh, that's right. Uh, so I was under the impression that she like possessed the body, but no, she Ooh. cuts the face off. She rips the face off of like a 16-year-old teenager. Yeah. And, and puts it on herself. It puts it on herself. And there's like uh, several issues later where she's like sitting in front of a mirror, like putting on makeup. And instead of putting on makeup, she's just putting on this face. She's putting on her face. Yeah. And I, it's sitting on like a, like a, like a, like a wig. Like a wig head. Yeah. But instead of a wig, it's a it's girl's face. face. Uh, and so I thought that was really <laughs> odd. It was funny. It's I like so that. dark, so gross, so disgusting, but so cool at the same time. Yeah. But basically this witch had been punished to a place that I believe is named Gehenna. I, it's G-E-H-E-N-N-A. Gehenna, yeah. Gehenna. You, it's uh, another reference to hell. Oh, okay. So that's like a, a name for hell, basically, for these witches. But she's been there for a long time. She's been tormented. She's pissed off. She comes back, and the first thing she does is find the tree that Edward has been banished to and burns the shit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, it's like she was searching for Edward. There was this lost part of her that she was looking for, and she couldn't find it. And she was remembering Edward and all the good things about him. She's like, oh, Edward, I'm so happy I found you. Maybe I can get you released. And then the visions come back. Yeah. And she remembers remembers tossing herself into the lion's den. She was like, all these awful things that he did. Screw this guy. And burns it. Yes. After she kills off Edward, she decides to tie up a few loose ends. So she goes to talk to uh, the lady that she knows as Diana. She's trying to figure out where she's at. And she, along the way, picks up this truck driver. Like, she, she gets picked up by him, and she kills him because she immediately is able, like, she touches his arm or something and gets all these flashes of all these women that he has, from what I can tell, raped and brutalized and probably killed off because the truck is inhabited by a few ghosts More of other few, women. It's yeah, like 40 or something, something ridiculous crazy. number. And she ends him. Yep, she fucks him up pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which is great. Like, I th- he got what he deserved, right? Uh, so, anyway, she goes on uh, to meet Diana at this crazy house. Well, it's not a crazy house. It's an insane asylum. One of the things I thought was really funny I have written down here is HIPAA violation because she just walks in and is like, oh yeah, I'm related to Diana. And the girl goes, oh, okay. Well, she does have to cast a spell on her. Well, yeah. She does. She has to cast a spell and they're like, oh yes, now I do remember you. Yeah. You can go on back. Yeah, Diana's mentioned you once or twice. Come on back. Uh, like the inside of me hurt because I was like, that's so not okay. Hey man, welcome to the sixties. Yeah, that's fair. No okay. computers. You just have to go off with what you know, yeah. what you remember. So she, yeah, she visits Diana and she finds out more about Edward. And then that's she where she finds out about, about Sabrina. Sabrina. Yeah. And the worst thing, uh, like you want to talk about immediately hating a character. She makes it to where Diana realizes what's going on. She brings back her mental astuteness, I guess you could say. She basically says, okay, well, not only did you steal my love, but I'm going to make you suffer for it. You're going to be stuck here, and they're all going to think you're crazy. So all of a sudden, like, she casts this spell. Diana comes back to full health, and she's like, holy, oh, my God. Like, I'm stuck in this insane asylum. Sabrina is a witch. Bad things are going to happen to her. I got to get out of here. And she starts telling the doctors this, and the doctors are like, ah, just inject her with some more of that medicine. Yeah, she's going crazy. Crazy. Knock her out. Yeah. Oh, that's got to be awful. Just knowing that you're stuck. But that issue pretty much wraps up uh, all of Madam Satan or Iola. Oh, Iola. Uh, she also, very important part, 
she kills the drama teacher that Sabrina is under. Because right. Sabrina and Harvey and Rosalind are now in their lover's quarrel over the roles for Bye Bye Birdie. Right. <laughs> Which is hilarious to me. Uh, so I had to do some research again. It's supposed to be like 1965-ish at this point. Late 60s. Yeah. Uh, Bye Bye Birdie comes out in 1961 with a film in 1963. How the hell is a small town high school able wow. to afford the rights to a musical Bye Bye Birdie that's barely four years old? Because it's a comic book. Oh, right. Okay, thanks. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, so, like, she actually winds up uh, meeting Anne Margaret while she's auditioning. Yeah. And some place in, like, Vegas or something, uh, by her, Sabrina meets Anne Margaret, who played uh, the lead role in Bye Bye Birdie. And she gets, and Sabrina gets tips from Anne Margaret on how right. to sing the song. And Anne Margaret's a witch. Yes. Yes, yeah, yes. Like, that's make, how she knows her. She's yeah. like, oh, well, I'll just go hang out with the lead star. Yeah. Because uh, she's like she's my cousin, third time remove or good something. Good friends you know. with ants. Yeah. Like, uh, super good friends. It's funny. Uh, so she gives her some tips and she's like, yeah, girl, you got this. You got this. You got go this. audition. And, and while does. all that's going on, uh, Madam Satan is taking over the drama teachers who has a really sad life. I felt so bad for all the right. drama teacher. Yeah. Like, she's always alone and they have this really crazy panel where she's coming out of the theater and she's talking about how, like, she's never kissed a man before and she's really lonely and she's always wanting to go see the movies with men. And so this Madam Satan, right? Iola goes up and like sits right next to her in the theater and they're kind of flirting like they kind of have a thing going on and it's it's kind of a weird scene I feel like it's oddly sexual for it to just be like the stranger that showed up right and then she kills her so the final panel in issue two is uh Sabrina in class when the new drama teacher walks in yeah and she and Sabrina is reading a book called in cold blood okay do you know who wrote that book no idea Truman Capote who is Oh, Adam, you're killing me, man. <laughs> Famous author. Okay. From the 60s. In Cold Blood was originally written as a four-part series in The New Yorker, published in book form in 1966. It is considered the original true, uh, the original true crime storybook. Oh. So all these true crime podcasts, all the true crime stuff could trace their roots back to this book. Wow, that's that's really cool. I didn't know that at all. Well, at some point in time between issues one and three, I don't remember exactly which issue it was, we get introduced to Ambrose, who is cousin Ambrose. Yes. Totally different from the original comics, because in the comics, he's kind of an older guy. He's about the same age as the ants. Yeah, and he's kind of like a rotund, you know, he's kind he's of goofy very. looking. Uh, but in this, he's just, well, he seems like a kid. We don't know his actual age, but he seems to be like 16, 17 is what I would guess. A few years older than Sabrina. That's what he looks like. Yeah, and uh, he is, he seems like a real rat bastard. Like, he cut off some kids' hands at his normal school, and that's why he got punished, and they were gonna send him to hell to, like, punish him for eternity but the ants vouch for him so they're he's living there he is under house arrest for 75 years all right so let's transition into talking about issue three because it kind of takes a big turn here this is one of the i would say this is kind of when the comic really starts to pick up at the beginning of the issue you have harvey playing football and the madam satan who is now the teacher is like distracting him with her cleavage and so he like misses the game and it causes everything to go crazy and then there's a, I feel like there's a couple panels where Harvey is kind of pressuring Sabrina into having sex with her for her birthday, which seems weird. Like, he just seems like a real tool in this comic. 
Gotcha. Yeah, it did seem like Harvey was like he was trying to be the nice guy, but he was still wanting, you know, yeah, like older guys. He's like, oh well, for your birthday, uh, we could totally like, you know, do it. Yeah, and it's like it's cool because you're like 16 now. Yeah, like it was really the way he said it all was just so. And then she's like, well, I don't really know how I feel about that. I kind of have to like. She has to save herself for Satan. That's the big thing. (laughs) Listen to what you just said. I know. Like, I, <laughs> there's some part of me that just disconnected for a moment. But yeah. yeah, so she's saving herself for Satan. In order to accept the Dark Lord blessing, she right. must be pure of body. So they have this next scene where Ambrose is introducing this goat. And uh, my first thought is, all right, they're going to kill the goat, right? Well, of course. But I mean, then, it's, it's the witches, and that's what you do is sacrifice goats. Yeah. And so whenever she gets on the goat to ride it to her dark baptism, I was kind of relieved. I was like, okay, cool. They're not going to do this trope. Like, <laughs> Okay, good. So they, they fool you with introducing the sacrificial goat. Yeah. Then they just ride the goat to the thing. Like, it's a thing where you ride the goat into your dark blessing. Right. And there's, I, so I actually took a screenshot of this. Oh, good. There is a, a panel where Cousin Ambrose and Salem are introducing the goat. And Ambrose says, Salem and I picked him up out at McGinty's farm. His name's Baphomet. And I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? They wrote that. That is awesome. Yeah, it's a little cheesy. So they uh, ride the goat, and then they immediately kill the goat. And I was yeah. so let down. It's like, oh, okay. Yep, we're well, doing this. It's better than sacrificing a human. They're modern witches. They've I guess. adjusted their rituals to match a modern sensibility. They but only you, kill a goat. You got to understand, there was a part of me that for like a split second thought that there were going to be panels of her taking care of the goat, like the llama in Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> Like, come on, Baphomet, eat your freaking dinner, you know, for for some reason, that's all all I could think. But no, Uh, I also have another note here. Apparently, witches don't eat bread. There was like a bunch of panels where they were uh, the ants were talking about the old days and how the Dark Lord detests flour and salt. Uh, since bread is what Christians eat. So as part of the dark blessing, too, it is women only. Right. Pretty much. At it this is. Meeting. In fact, that's a huge difference between the show and the comic. It, whenever they do the dark ritual, the high priest is actually a high priestess. It's it's a female. Right. Uh, whereas in the or in the TV show, you have Faustus, uh, which is a totally different character. But I really, really, really liked this scene. And I got to tell you, it is probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire series. And it's the way they do these time jumps with the ritual and explaining what's happening. So you have a panel with current events happening where she's walking into the the ritual and you see all these other witches. And then the next panel is like the ants explaining to young Sabrina what's going to happen. And I thought that was awesome storytelling. Like what a cool way to show the story and explain it from the past with this really cool family moment where they're talking about the future together. I just thought that was brilliant. The only other way I wish that I could have seen that and they do this a lot, and you're going to read some of these, I'm sure, whenever we start our other characters, they could have done a really neat scene where they have the entire ritual with no words, only art, because then you are the one coming up with how the ritual works, and it leads you to some wild theories and ideas, and they do that a lot in common comics nowadays. Uh, They have this really weird thing that happens where Madam Satan is wanting to mess with Harvey, I guess, or like, I'm not exactly sure what her motivations were behind this. Yeah, Iola shows up and wants Harvey to be killed. She knows what's happen- what will happen if Harvey shows up at the Dark Blessing. Yeah, and I guess she's doing it to just kind of mess with Sabrina. Uh, the Dark Baptism. But yeah, she wants to, she wants to either mess with Sabrina or kill Harvey. 
Iola's playing the long game. She yeah. is a chess master. She is moving the pawns into place to make what happened exactly happen as she wants it to. So she sends Harvey to the dark baptism knowing what's going to happen. He's, he's going to get eaten. And she does it in a messed up way too because she's like, oh, Harvey, why aren't you with Sabrina? Oh, it's her birthday? Well, I've heard she spends a lot of times with, with boys out in the woods and it's her birthday, so you know what's going to happen, Harvey. He's She's, like, whoa. Yeah, and so Harvey's, of course, like, oh, no, that's my piece of ass. I'm going to go get it. You know, like, he gets all pissed <laughs> off and is like, oh, she's cheating on me? So he runs out into the woods and finds her surrounded by witches. Covered in goat's blood. Yes. I mean, can you imagine? What a scene. Uh, uh. Uh, yeah, and immediately the witches lose it, turn around, and just go after him. And so, and the, the interesting thing is, is that Sabrina signed her name in the book. By this point, yes. By this point yeah. in the comics, she has signed her name. She is going through with the dark ritual. Uh, she doesn't seem to really have any problems with it in the comic series. It's kind Not of like, all. that's what's expected of me. Yep. Uh, I don't want to leave my old life behind, but that's just what it is. Very next scene is issue number four. The witches hunting down and killing Harvey. And it is brutal. Oh my God. Yeah, I, that you were talking earlier about how they look like hags and witches and ghouls' teeth and all the, the glamours are gone. At gone, this point. yes. They, they are, are just straight ghouls going after Harvey yeah. to eat him. And this alive. poor dopey kid is just running away. I mean, he's just sitting there like I I, I can only imagine. He's sitting there thinking about all of his, his experiences in life. Like, how did I get here? What what happened to lead me here? They just tear them apart and they eat them. Issue four is uh, trying to track down the killers of Harvey. They right. pin it on, they go through some backstory on three local hoods who used to torture some people and it winds up like torturing Harvey, I think, in fact. And so they pin it on these three, the police pin it on these three local hoods. Right. The witches are able to kind of get it to where like, okay, we'll just, we're going to plant the evidence and make it look like. That's right. It was a bloody sweatshirt. Right. Was placed in their um, trash right outside their yard. Which is interesting because the three guys that they pinned down are actually in the TV series and they did bully Harvey growing up. So they were able to tie that in. I thought that was kind of neat. So, you know, the thing is, is like Harvey was awful for Sabrina, in my opinion. He, she's way better off without him, but she's just torn up that he's dead. Oh, which, she goes to visit Mrs. Kinkle at some point to talk yeah. about her, talk about Harvey's death. And she, ha Mrs. Kinkle, hands Sabrina a ring in a box. Mm -hmm. Harvey was going to propose what a on her birthday. Dope. I hate this guy. That's so dumb. I'm what? sorry, but I just think he's dumb. It's 1960. I guess. But You're going to was... propose at 16? That's totally cool. Like, his <sighs> best friend was probably married three times. I feel like he would have married her, and then he would have immediately, like... So here's the way that I see this playing out, and maybe this is way too much for this podcast, but in my mind, they get married, he goes to college, he drops out because he can't get some sort of college scholarship, she gets a job, she works, and he sits on the couch and complains about his local college football team not doing as good as when he was on the team, and that's the rest of their life. That is how I imagined this playing out, so I'm glad he's dead, and you can argue with me all you want, but that is what happened, okay? <laughs> that's an awful, awful thing, Adam. Uh, but... You, that's your opinion and you're welcome to it yeah I would. I will just say I was really happy that the witches uh, blamed his death on the bullies at least they kind of tied it in and they kind of got what was coming to them that was um, that was definitely some uh, justice boner there mm -hmm. I do feel bad for his family though sure but Iola at the end of the book yeah or at the end of this issue goes to Sabrina and what does he tell her or what does she tell Sabrina she says I can bring Harvey back so then we move on to issue number five, where we go all the way 
to Riverdale. We go all the way back, and we see Betty and Veronica yet again. Yes, we do. And I really actually like this a lot. They kind of were addressing some civil rights issues and racism in the 60s, and they're, they're trying to bring in Nancy uh, to the witch's coven. And it's funny because she's like, what are y'all talking about? Like, right. she, She's like, you know, Betty and Veronica are all, well, we have this secret after school project. I'm sure you know about it. And you know about the person leading it. Well, she's actually really powerful. And like, they're trying to really hint at this. And Nancy's just not buying it. She's really yeah. like, what the Na- hell? Nancy looks at him and goes, well, thanks for the offer, but I've got to go to church. And so they also bring up some other really interesting issues here. Apparently, there's a bunch of mentions in the Satanic Bible about how a mortal and a witch shouldn't lie with each other. And this is all taking place where Edward Spellman is trying to solidify the fact that he should be able to marry this mortal for Diana. And he fires back at Crowley with, well, a warlock shouldn't lie with a warlock. And it's like this really big, like they, I feel like they address a lot of interesting social issues in this comic, whether it's racism or, or being gay, like in the fact that it is in the satanic Bible as well, was just kind of interesting to me. Uh, but I really like Edward Spellman in this issue. They're all practicing, rehearsing for Macbeth. Yes. At the time. And they're actually saying the Macbeth witch quotes, which is kind of funny. Right. And then a boy will boy tell in trouble, blah, blah, blah. Uh, then it's Iola shows up at their school during the middle of this rehearsal process and goes, girls, it's time to pay up. And uh, apparently Sabrina is being put on trial for bringing Harvey Kinkle into the dark baptism. Right. Sabrina is exactly. in huge trouble with the entire witch coven at this point, And Iola wants her to survive this trial. Which is really interesting to me because it seems like Iola wants her to pay, but on her own terms. Oh, yeah. Iola wants to have all of the revenge at this point. It's like you were saying. She really is this master chess player. Oh, she's got stuff moving all over the board. She set up all these pawns and pieces so she could come in and save the day and get Sabrina to trust her. And that's exactly what happens. Yeah. Betty and Veronica show up. There's things that uh, Sabrina has to pass in order to pass the witch trial, which was like a... uh, The first one was... She had to put her hands in like the coals. In the coals. She was cool with it. So she puts her hands in the coals so Veronica gets burned on the hand. Right. So Uh, basically they're filtering her pain through to the other... Other witches. Exactly. Uh, and, and what's crazy is the ants are freaking out. You know, they're talking about like, hey, this is stuff that was done during the Salem witch trials. Like you should you as the coven should not be doing this. And yet they're doing it anyways. Uh, they're really trying. For some reason, the coven seems to really have it out against Sabrina in this series as well. Like it's really kind of common in the TV show, but it's really evident in the comics as well. The next thing is really crazy because they force like a dagger through her hand. They shove a dagger through her hand and the other one, either Betty or Veronica, I forget which. But then they have they show a bleeding stigmata where right. So then Sabrina passes the trials. She's not worried at all. Iola talked her through it. She said what would happen. All the spells were cast. She's fine. She passes. She becomes a witch. Yeah. It is official. So then she goes to Iola and she's like, all right, I'm ready. Let's bring Harvey back. And so she meets up with them and, and they start this ritual to bring Harvey back. And they, she says it's going to take a couple days. I think it's three days. Uh, to completely bring him back, but they like lay out his clothes and his wallet, and they they do this ritual. They do this crazy dance. I remember, and oh, I, yeah. I remember them drawing it, it out yeah. really kind of strangely. It was, it's creepy. Yeah, okay. Like it's it's kind of got a general creep to it. And then in the end, I think he they actually show him climbing up out of the earth to be reborn. Yeah, they do. He's climbing out, and this is after a couple of days. Like I said. Uh, and I never expected that the person that was resurrected was going to be Edward Spellman, who is Sabrina's father. Do you think that Iola or Madam Satan knew that Edward was going to come back? So in my opinion, she killed Edward 
when she burned the tree down. As far as she's aware, Edward's dead. So I think that she really is bringing Harvey back. And she thinks that. She thinks she's trying to help Sabrina by bringing back her dead boyfriend. Because Sabrina clearly has no idea that Edward's back. But I don't think Madam Satan knows that the newly refreshed body of Harvey is hosting Edward. And this is where it gets confusing because... A lot of these questions would probably be answered in issue nine. Probably. And we're over a year later and still nothing yet on issue yeah. nine. Because as far as I can tell, Harvey and Madam Satan never interact after that issue. Correct. Yeah, you never see the two together. It's it, it, They don't ever approach what's happening. Sure. I think this is her idea from the very beginning. She's bringing Edward back on purpose. The two witches, the two ants that put Edward into the tree were too powerful. And she couldn't pull Edward out of that tree safely. Okay. So she may have burned it down in a rage. And now she wants to bring Edward back to torture him even more. And what better way to torture a father than with his daughter right there next to him? That's interesting. I, I actually like that a lot better that she knows. Because in my mind, I was like, well, this is going to turn out really weird for her. And it makes me really excited to see how you interpret some of the other comic storylines we're going to read, too, yeah. in the future. Because I get the feeling we're going to have a lot of big differences. Let's go and jump right into uh, issue number six, because it is a, probably my favorite issue. It's I cool, loved it's it. It's two really cool stories. It's basically yeah. two short stories yeah. in one issue. So in the comic book, uh, Ambrose has two familiars, and they're these really cool snakes. They're not in the TV show, which I thought was kind of sad, because I really like the snakes. I thought they were neat. Uh, they don't come up a whole lot, but when they do, they're always really like intricate drawn and they're just they kind of have some cool oh, and they're sassy too oh yeah they're cool but it's salem and the snakes and they're talking about well where did you come from here's my backstory so the snakes yes are actually from a maharim way over in the east somewhere yep and uh they're <laughs> i love this part too so they go through the origin story of these two children of a maharim who want to secure power for themselves basically the original mother has died there is a new woman coming into play with the father who's going to marry him. They're going to have children, which means the two original children are going to be kicked to the curb and not have any power when uh, the father passes. The power isn't going to pass to them. It's going to pass to the new child. Or at least that's what they're being told. That's by, what like, they think is going to happen. The overseer, yeah. Right. So they go to this seer person who predicts the future and tells them what's going to happen and how to kill the, uh, the new bride. Right. And so they got this plan together on killing the new bride. They're going to pin it on one of the guards that are standing outside the room. So they go into the room ready to kill this woman, this new bride, this new mother that is going to steal the power from them. And they go to stab her in her sleep in the bed. And who walks out? But her father and the seer. Yep. And the seer says, look, I told you this would happen. I have saved your new bride. Reward me. Man, uh, that was it was brutal. So they get punished. Originally, the father is like, well, I can't kill my own heirs. What, what am I supposed to do with them? And so the seer is like, oh, well, let me handle it for you. I've got this. And he takes them out into the woods and turns them into snakes. Yep. And did you see who the snakes were sold to at the end of that story? Rudyard Kipling. <laughs> Along with a cursed monkey paw. Which I thought was so cool. <laughs> so they also have a Ricky Ticky Tavry reference in here. Uh, which is another, you know, huge Kipling reference. I, I just thought it was really cool how much Kipling references they threw in at this. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, uh, they're throwing in real world stuff all over the place. Dude, this so entire neat. comic book series. And yeah. I freaking love every one of them. I do too. So they get sold to Rudyard Kipling, who brings them to the old world, which is England. And mm -hmm. then they get sold to probably Ambrose at the time. And he becomes their familiar. Uh, so then they go back in and they ask Salem, like, hey, 
What's, how did you get to be, why are you a cat? He was initially on the Black Pearl. I didn't enjoy the Black Pearl reference. Yeah, everyone knows Black Pearl now as, uh, yeah. you know, Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, so he, they like, everybody on the boat is sick except for him. So he goes into town and he stays with John Proctor, who I don't know if you know who John Proctor is. Uh, the only reason I'm super familiar with him is because I've been listening to Aaron Mankey's uh, lore series and he has a new podcast where he just talks about the Salem Witch Trials. And it is really cool. I believe it's called Unobscured. And so I've heard a lot about John Proctor, but he was a farmer uh, during the Salem witch trials that was actually tried for being a witch and hung and murdered. So Salem is staying with John Proctor and he falls in love with John Proctor. It's not his daughter. It's like his maid. They have a maid that helps him take care of the children and the house and stuff. Proctor is apparently well off enough of a farmer that he can have and take care of a maid and uh, Salem as well. Right. Future Salem. Sure. Well, and the thing is, is he even tells Salem, like, I can't pay you, but if you can just work on the farm, I can give you a house, basically. Right. And that's all he wants. He just right. wants a place to live. He just and wants a place to live. And, you know, some a woman to date. Right. Well, and it, not even really at first. Like, at first, he doesn't even want to date her. He just wants to sleep with her. Uh, and he accidentally gets her pregnant. And that's where she's like, okay, well, I'm pregnant. I see what you were doing there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm dumb. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, it, you know, I've got a 30 second relay on my brain. Whatever. So he accidentally gets her pregnant and she is like, well, hey, I'm pregnant now. You need to marry me. And he's like, whoa, hold up. We ain't doing that, girl. And so uh, she gets pissed and decides to go to the witch coven and she sacrifices their baby. Holy shit, man. Yeah, she goes through this whole thing and puts a guilt trip on future Salem boy. And uh, she's like, well, you wanted me to get because he says something like, well, you know, you could just get rid of it. Yeah. And she's like, well, you wanted me to get rid of it. So I did. And I cursed your ass. Yeah, man. And it's really neat because that's how he gets his name. You know, there's this whole panel of them going through like the handmaiden gets tried and she's a witch. Then John Proctor gets tried. His whole family gets tried and it's showing all of them hanging. And then there's this scene with Satan And the Dark Lord is talking to Salem, who is now a cat, and says, you know, I will now call you Salem as a remembrance of what happened here. The Dark Lord actually gives Salem a future prophecy, says that he is going, that Salem will play a role in making sure Sabrina becomes a witch. Right. And has to protect her. I'm really interested in knowing what Salem did for about 300 years. In between the Salem witch trials and the 60s when oh, he's yeah. with Sabrina. I mean, what happened? That's a long That's time, a long to, be time alive, to be a cat. To be a cat. Yeah. Um, it makes me think of the Hocus Pocus TV show or the, the old Disney movie. <laughs> I love that cat. Like, that's one of my favorite movies. That was his side gig yeah. after Sabrina. Sure. Apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the idea of that. That's great. But yeah, I like Salem a lot. I, well, at least I did until I realized that he's just a real shit person but- when he was a human. But you, he's been punished for 300 years. You think he learned his lesson? I do, actually. And that's what I said at the very beginning of this. He learned his lesson. I mean, it's it was cool. I really liked the way that he transformed because he's become the only voice of reason in the entire comic. Everything else is just insane. But it's still selfish. It is because still selfish. Because if Sabrina isn't protected or something doesn't happen that goes right, then it doesn't he doesn't get prophecy. to go back yeah. to being a human. I guess. So while he has learned his lesson and he wants Sabrina to do the right thing, he wants to become a human again and he knows what has to happen to make. But it makes me wonder why he said at the beginning of the series that he tried to enact the Book of Revelation. Is that something he tried to do in those 300 years? I don't know. You know, when you're talking to other familiars, you try to make yourself sound like a badass. Maybe that's what it it's is. It's like going to high school. Yeah. And you always play it up just a little bit. Like the fish was really this yeah. big. We're yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that exactly. makes sense. 
but yeah, issue six was probably my favorite issue of the entire series. Yeah. I really liked it a lot. I it thought was the backstories was, was fun. It's a great, um, great two, great two stories right there. It was. Uh, and to continue on with the uh, backstory idea, issue seven actually opens up with Edward's backstory. And holy cow. His backstory is insane. Dude's nuts. Yeah, dude is totally batshit sane. Charlatan, uh, player of minds, a snake oil salesman is the best way to describe yeah. Edward. Except like a snake oil salesman with really powerful powers. We get into this whole thing with Edward Spellman where they're showing us that he is attempting to summon Satan, basically. Like, he's trying to impress... He's basically an altar boy in the Church of Satan. Right, and he and he is told, okay, well, if you can summon Satan, because they kind of figure out that conjuring is, like, his thing. He can do it. He's, like, 10 yeah. years old, and he's summoning demons that are way too powerful Absolutely. for even some of the best conjurers in the Church at the time, and he's bringing them in no problem. Yeah, and so the priest that he's working with basically tells him, if you can summon Satan, we can make you, like, the Archbishop Pope or, like, the high priest or whatever like we can make you really high up in the church there are some really awesome scenes where he's attempting to summon satan and he keeps getting the wrong gods and i really like that a lot i thought that was really funny yeah, the wrong demons all the time you know, going mm-hmm. all the way through then he finally finds the correct spell you like you see you see him have in one of these panels an aha moment of like oh i figured out how to summon satan right. of course it was so simple how did i not see it and then the next thing you know He's summoning Satan left and right and in front of the church. I love the, like, Satan is really posh looking. Oh, yeah. He's got like a top hat. He's got a, a top hat and like a little bow tie and <laughs> yeah. he's in this like suit. Like he right? looks really yeah. done up, you know, like, yep. oh, I'm being summoned to the human realm. Oh, so good to see everybody. Hey, did, did you bring yeah. my no, tea? Okay. That's enough of the bad English accent. Yeah, <laughs> it is. But that's what I thought. Like every time I saw these exactly. pictures of him, it's like, yeah. I expect him to have a, a pocket watch, you right. know? And so he summons Satan. Yeah, uh, he he binds him, controls him, and uh, the uh, head priest is like, "Great job! Now we're gonna put you on a schedule. You're gonna have to do this once a week just to keep the faith in the church up, right? Like in order to make things happen." And it's not really what Edward was expecting. I mean, he, he was, was wanting like, a lot. I more. thought I was gonna be the high priest next, or I was gonna move up in the ranks, and yeah. now you're saying I'm just still an altar boy. I just conjure Satan and at your whim. And once they kind of wrap up this whole like him progressing through the church, they kind of move into his relationship with Sabrina's mother, Diana, and the thought behind it. And at this point, it's fully explained that he believes that he is going to bridge the gap between witch kind and humankind. And he is only using her to create Sabrina, that she's just a vessel. And he never gave two shits about her. And it really kind of broke my heart because I really thought that he loved her and that he was doing all of this stuff for the best. Like, oh, I I don't want to put her in the insane asylum, but it's for the best because we have to go on with this. But now I see that he's just a real selfish prick and he's using everybody around him for anything he can. And come to find out, he never actually summoned Satan. Yes. And that is the most beautiful thing. And that happens shortly afterwards where he it's kind of he gets caught sort of like. The, the the aunts, his sisters, figure it out. They're they, like, there's no way. There's no way that he's making that happen. Right. And they finally, like, they have some dealing with the demon that he was summoning. Yes. And I can't remember her name, but she could change form. Yeah, and he it was actually one of the first demons he summoned. He figured out that she could change form. And so he summons her in this Satan form, yeah. and they had a deal worked out. The ants find out in some other dealing with her, and they go to him and wreck his face. Yeah, and he says something that I thought was really funny and absolutely ridiculous in this issue. Something along the lines of, like, most demons are awful, 
but women demons especially because aren't all women's demons anyways you know like i was like <laughs> yeah. like he yeah, they was, was worded so awfully i'm like yeah. what in the world this is another one of the issues where they have an old archie or sabrina issue in the end and it was this really cute vampire comic that i really right. liked yeah. uh and it was kind of like <laughs> this the ants send sabrina to go stay with this vampire and she revamps his castle to be a tourism trap and it totally unexpected. It was just a really cute Sabrina after That's this, funny. like 32 pages of awful Edward yeah. and how horrible of a person he is and just how he tricks everything and everybody. Yeah. So Edward is sent into witch limbo. And so while this entire background is being told, it is actually Edward in Harvey's body telling Harvey's mom his background story while he's eating Harvey's dad. Because the beginning of this issue starts off with Harvey... Harvey's parents basically arguing about how he's never coming back. Someone knocks on the door, which is very reminiscent of the monkey's paw, uh, which was just referenced in the previous issue. So I thought that was another really cool tie in. Harvey's mom is like, Oh, it's Harvey at the door. We got to go let him in. And her dad is like, honey, come on. Like we got to move on. So she turns around and bashes his skull in. Cause that's the obvious reaction to your husband telling you don't answer the door. Yeah. Is take a statue and just bink. We're going back and forth where she answers the door. Harvey comes in and is like, oh, hey, who are you? Like, he knows that's his mom, but he doesn't know who she is necessarily. Uh, starts chowing down on the dad and then tells her her and then tells her his backstory while she's tied to a chair. Yeah. And so the end Grusel. of the issue is him being like, all right, well, I got to go see Sabrina, but I'll come back for dessert if you know what I mean. And she's still tied to the chair. And she's still tied to the, the chair. And then the dad's like half eaten corpses there. Yep. Uh, the, the fact that they're all cannibals is really funny. In fact, there is a moment funny. Well, it's just weird. Like <laughs> I've never once ever thought of witches as being cannibals. So the fact that they made them cannibals just kind of threw me. Like, it seems like an addition of like, Hey, how much creepier can we make this? Yeah, Let's make it as gross as possible. Yeah. In fact, there's a really funny panel right after Harvey dies where they're all eating dinner and Sabrina's like lifting a fork up to her mouth. And she's, she's thinking like, surely they wouldn't. So we are now at the last issue last of the issue. You would hope, like you see that it's the last issue or you know, you kind of heard that, that there's no issue nine. Like maybe they're going to wrap up a ton of storylines here and you can figure out what's going on. But no, no. it's left open. Not at all. Yeah. So Harvey is back. Yeah. He goes to meet Sabrina for the very first time. And it's weird. It's really, in fact, like they're meeting at the diner that I believe is Jughead's diner yes. in Archie. Yep. Uh, and when she's on her way, there's this really cool scene where she kind of sees like a parallel universe of herself where she saves Jughead from like a zombie dog or something. And it, it's like this, um, I'm going to say righteous Sabrina, where she's like a witch for the good. And it's a complete different parallel. And she's like, oh, well, that's weird. And then she just goes to the diner. So it's kind of like, oh, well, that could have been a thing, I guess. I, like, I don't really know why they put it in the comic. It just seems like this really weird, like, hey, here's what could have been. That's actually what happened. There's a good chance that they're showing that this is split universe. Maybe that's why they did it, to just establish, like, these are not the same universes. Yeah. Uh, which I like. I, I haven't read the Archie series, so I don't know. Right. Um, but, you know, it seemed interesting. So they meet at the diner, and Edward is a creep, man. Like, he's in Harvey's body, and immediately, 
starts feeling up his daughter. Like, yeah. what the hell? Like, he's having these conflicting thoughts of, this is my daughter, I shouldn't, but... He's like, oh, I but can. our bodies fit so well together. Like, it's gross. Oh, it's gross. Can we and not talk about that anymore? All of it, okay, so uh, the last thing I'm going to mention about this, which is like ultimate creep level for me, is she even is like, well, hey, if you don't want to eat dinner, we can just go to a hotel. And I think it's Jughead that walks by and is like, I don't want to see your nasty romance here anyways. There's a hotel down the road. And she says, yeah, that's a great idea. And then there's this like thought bubble for Edward in Harvey's body that's like, oh my God, I really want to but I shouldn't. Yeah. Why is that even a thought? Well, and then he's like, well, no, actually we should probably get something to eat first. Yeah, that's what it is. But then the ants show up the before ants show up. anything else can really happen. Sure. Thank but it's goodness. just Thank so you, creepy. Ants. Like, I, and the, the, the thing that is even creepier is that they haven't established that there's some sort of witch warlock incestuous relationship between any of the other characters. So why he would come in and be like that is just really out of the norm. You have me. to establish how bad, how terrible, how absolutely awful Edward really is. Yeah. Because Edward in this series is the bad guy. So they're sitting there and he's trying to get as much information about what's happened over the last three or four days. Like, how did I come back to life? Who am I in? What is going on? And he's really trying to play the long game and like asking her questions that doesn't give away who he is. And around this time, the ants show up. And when they show up, all hell breaks loose because Sabrina walks outside and she tells Harvey, like, okay, give me a second. I got to go talk to my aunts. And she has already told him, I am a witch. This all happened. You died because you saw my ceremony. You know, all's fair and game. And he seems totally cool with it. Like, doesn't question anything, which I thought was really strange. Harvey doesn't question anything because Edward doesn't have to. Right. But Sabrina, who for up until this moment has been incredibly intelligent, doesn't seem to question anything. Harvey's reactions and love is blind I guess yeah I keep forgetting that so like they're 16 years old I'm giving Sabrina a lot of credit here I guess because I I've read into her as being like more be more mature like maybe closer like 30 years of age I guess but she is like insulting the aunties and going on and on about how they don't understand and like Harvey's back for the good and if they're going to kill him then they're just gonna have to go through her and the whole time Harvey's in the background like yeah you bunch of morons which just seemed weird. Like, why? What? Because it's Edward who hates his sisters oh, because yes. they put him in the tree. Absolutely. But Sabrina should have turned around and been like, wait, what? Yeah, is, but I, love is blind. She's, love is blind. She's okay. feeling her hackles are raised. She's, you know, she's in battle for the very first time because the psycho pumps show up at the same time and they're trying to take Harvey away because he's dead. Right. But, All I'm going to say is if it had actually been Harvey, he'd have pissed himself because well, he's sure. a dope. Yeah. Like, He's a second time. Yeah, whatever. Okay, we're just going to move on from this because I don't like Harvey at all. But the psychopomps are trying to take him away. Psychopomps are so cool. Sabrina saves him and brings him back. And finally, it's all said and done and Harvey is safe. And the ants finally go, if this is your choice... This is your choice. She says something along the lines of like, it's no longer my duty to do the killing. Right. And then they fly off and leave her. And it comes on to explain later what she meant by that. Right. Well, and that scene was really neat because that's the first time that Sabrina shows her like witch familiar powers. Because it seems like each witch has something they're really good at. Edwards was conjuring demons. Uh, Sabrina's was like summoning these ghosts. So she summons all these ghosts to get the psychopomps, which are these weird like spirit handlers. Like if they detect a spirit is around that shouldn't be there, they try and take them off. So they're trying to take off Harvey, who is Edward. She summons these ghosts that then distract all the psychopomps 
and they take all the ghosts away. And she basically tells her aunts, like, I am this powerful. You can't mess with me. So the aunts are like, okay, cool. That's it, it, It's up to Two you choices. then. So they go on to explain later what they meant by they don't have to do the killing. Right. And it turns out she has to kill someone to replace Harvey's body. Eye for an eye, life for a life. Yeah. So Harvey was dead. And he has been brought back, so somebody has to die. And Sabrina, at some point, will have to choose to kill someone to replace Harvey's soul. And we have no idea how she's going to get out of it because they haven't written anything. So when issue nine is released, let me know because I am reading this. Yeah. The interesting thing, though, is, is that Harvey wasn't resurrected. So does she have to kill somebody? I mean, his body was brought back. Edward was brought back, who was also dead and has to be replaced. I don't think Edward was dead, though. Edward was just like... He was killed when they burned the tree down. He was killed. I see the way, but the way that you're explaining it earlier is that his spirit was released. It was in the limbo. Okay. Well, maybe so. Maybe, maybe that's what happened. Look at us figuring stuff out. He was put into witch's limbo. Yeah. So when they did the conjuring spell, his body was put back into Harvey's body. Like his soul was. So that's the thing so is like, maybe because Harvey's body was resurrected, they have to kill somebody off to replace the body. I, I don't know. know. Like, I don't know. We'll I don't figure either. it out. Issue nine, Sakaza, make it happen, man. Do Come it. on, Ugh. please. I'm really hoping that the Netflix series is such a hit that they bring it back. All right. So we're talking about the Netflix series. Can we just dive into that? Let's the horror show that that one is. Yes. Let's go straight into the Netflix series from here on oh out. Oh my God. I'm going to be honest. The first four episodes i hated like wasted time wasted time the the last 15 minutes of episode four was the moment that i got hooked if those last 15 minutes didn't exist i wouldn't watch the show uh so the first four episodes are trying to tie the comic book into the tv show yes the episode five the tv show becomes more like a buffy a Buffy kind of spinoff where it was like Melissa Joan Hart meets Buffy. It's kind of what episode yeah, five is. It, it, to me, it's very reminiscent of like Supernatural. Supernatural. Monster Buffy, of the Week. Monster of the Week killing. Like if they had started episode five as episode one, I'd be hooked and selling it all day long. Immediately. Like if you had given me a 15 minute introduction of, hi, I'm a Sabrina, the teenage witch, and these are my aunties. And I hope this you're is- not disappointed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? First panel of that issue, I would have been cool. The first four episodes feel incredibly rushed and disjointed like they tried to steal things from the comics but i felt like they stole the worst parts but they changed up the character lines like the ants aren't there to love sabrina and make sure that she's making a choice like zelda wants her to become a witch hilda does not so they're at odds with the two right well and i don't even think that hilda doesn't want her to become a witch but she wants her to have the choice because hilda seems to doubt her choice like she kind of wishes she hadn't joined yeah but you know so it's hilda's playing the good witch zelda's playing the bad witch right which let me tell you the ants in the tv show are awesome they are i I absolutely love them i just don't like the way they're written I love the comic book series. Like I like the character choices that were made in that, and they completely changed them they in did. the TV show. I, they did. But I will tell you, I think the one that they changed the most that I like the most is Ambrose. Ambrose is hands down my favorite character in the TV show. He just seems like he's the most interesting character, and he's a phenomenal actor. Uh, but he seems to have a totally different backstory. Like... Ambrose is not just some teenager. He's been trapped at the house for 75 years. Or more. Or He's more. been ho- under house arrest for a very long time and yeah. will be for another very long time. And they don't really explain it. And no, I, no. we don't want to give away too many spoilers because we want you guys to go watch the show and tell us what you think about it. Um, I'm really interested, though, for people that have not read the comics and for people that watch the show, what did you think about the first four episodes? Did you think they were needed to be there? Could they have been summed up better? But I'd like to hear from everybody. Find us on Twitter. We uh, have a Discord channel that you can yeah. join in as you well. You can even email us, uh, fanmail, 
at backpationetwork.com. I'm really curious because having read the comics and then watching the show, I kind of felt like the first four episodes were a huge letdown. So that is comic book cabinet. We yeah. will find a character. We will go through the first appearance and the history of that character. Obviously, a lot of the characters we're going to cover in season one are going to have way more comics than just eight. But we're going to choose some of the most important issues. We'll discuss them. We'll talk about them. We'll argue about it. Oh, we'll, it's uh, going to be fun. Because what we want you to be able to do when you listen to an episode of the comic book cabinet, we want you to listen to us and then be able to jump right into one of the latest issues that are on release on the shelves right now. Absolutely. And we're going to be talking about some of the coolest, most fan favorite comic book heroes out there. The first season, mainly going to be Marvel and DC. We're going to get into Image Comics and Dark Horse Comics a little later on, uh, but we got some great characters lined up for you guys. So we're hoping right now that if tomorrow Sakaza decides to finally release issue nine of Sabrina, you could pick that issue up and understand everything that's happening. Yeah. So welcome to the comic book cabinet. We all hope you enjoyed yourselves, and if you have anything that you want to say about it, come find us on Twitter or Discord. Absolutely, and we cannot wait for you guys to start listening to this at the beginning of... Quarter one. Quarter one, point. 2019. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to have some guest appearances. It's going to be great, and we can't wait to have you guys on board. Find me at Wes the GM. Find me at the Real Simso. S-I-M-S-O. S-I-M-S-O.